Sports Talk for real sports fans. 1700, the champ. Hey, everybody, welcome in. Jim and Trent, we say hello to you here on a Wednesday. Uh, Pete Mundo, uh, Heartland College Sports, will uh, join us roughly in about 15 minutes from right now. We'll dive into the Big 12 championship game, which will feature Oklahoma and Texas. Trent, how you doing, pal? Can't complain, Jimmy B. Everything going well over here. Good night of college basketball last night. And even the games we didn't anticipate were going to be very good or very compelling, mm-hmm. including Iowa-Pittsburgh, Turned out to be exciting ones. Uh, look, I was uh, a little surprised with that. I really was. Um, and and you know what? It, it just kind of gives you an indication that maybe, just maybe, what we saw against Oregon and UConn might have been somewhat of an anomaly. Um, because when, look, they, they ended up winning the game, which is always good, on your home court in front of a good crowd, but Pittsburgh not considered to be one of the better teams uh, in the ACC. And with first-year head coach Jeff Capel, now he's got some young freshman players who are good, but still that was a game that it should not have been that tight, and it was. So I'm not sure that it's a red flag or if it's, a case where, once again, they, they played an opponent uh, a few days back that they just ran out of the building and they walked in thinking they were going to do the same thing again to pit, and it didn't happen. So, I mean, if you're a fan, you take the win. I mean, it's, it's, that's what it's all about. It doesn't matter if it's pretty or ugly. If you get a W, then you take that and you move on to the next game. I understand that. But... Either Pitt is a lot better than what people had anticipated in Capel's first year, or it was a little bit of a step back for Iowa. Where are you? I was impressed by Pittsburgh, and and I certainly didn't anticipate that was going to be the direction that it was going to be. The play defensively in the first half from Iowa, it was bad. I mean, there's no two Mm -hmm. ways about it. It it looked very much like the team that we saw a year ago, but it, it wasn't just that. It wasn't just that I was playing bad defensively. They had a lot to do with that. You know, Xavier Johnson, that kid can play. He's a freshman. Yeah. He is an absolute stud. I love his game. Ellison, they, they had some pieces there that overall I liked. McGowan's was really good in the first half, too. Another freshman. Iowa came out in the second half and did it. But overall, I, I was impressed. And it wasn't just a couple of guys that were playing well. You, know, you looked early on in the game. And, and credit to Capel. Here's a guy that lost his gig at Oklahoma, went back yep. home, and... How was it going to turn out? A lot of times these retread coaches are collecting their final paycheck before they go back to a bench and, and move on from there. That wasn't the case at all. They looked, they were in the right spots. Iowa throws a lot of different kind of zone defenses at you, and of course we've seen early on this year they were doing it at a high level. Those kids were ready to go from the get-go, Jim. That's what I was impressed by. So I walked away saying, Pitt, are they an NCAA tournament team? No. Should Iowa beat this team by... 8, 10, 12, 15 points at home on a regular yeah. basis. Yeah, but I walked away pretty impressed by Pitt. That doesn't, though, get the Hawkeyes off the hook because there were some ugly moments. In the first half, Jordan Bohan hit a couple of early threes. He really struggled again on the defensive end of the floor. I'm with you, and it's 
it's it's interesting why that would happen now that you're back home and and like I said I go back to where they played against the team that they ran out of the building and I look I I get that you play a couple of those games but Trent they've got three of those kind of games scheduled uh, just at the end of December. And we're, look, we're going to know a lot more about this team now that, now that the, uh, the conference is going to open up and the road game at Michigan State, etc. But, man, I just hope that that's not an omen of something where they, they play those three teams that they should beat by 30 every night and then start of the first of the year, things automatically shift and they come out flat. I just felt they came out flat in that game. That's all. Yeah. Well, and, and well, you didn't get to see the beginning of the game because the game went late, Jim. Correct. I, all right. So, so you got that going on. That's fine. All right. Whatever. You know that that happens. That's you're putting two games within a two hour window, and it never goes two hours, and that happens. never does. But with technology today, Jim, it's great because. You can just flip on your phone. Now, you can't do this because you still have a flip phone, but most people, most people can do this. Go to ESPN app, hit play, and you watch the game, and you watch it until it comes on the television, and you're good to go, right? That's how you do it. Simple. No. I don't want to watch on my freaking phone or my iPad. I paid money for a 60-inch flat-screen TV in high definition. I want the damn game on a big screen. Right. I, I just right. don't get you, over you, that. I don't get, I just, I you miss, hate you're that missing when the they point. do that. You're missing the What's point. What's the point? I, I get ESPN3. I have it on my iPad. I could have flipped over and watched the opening of the game on the iPad. I just chose not to. You're, you're, you're missing the point, though. You didn't let me finish. You interrupted you. Okay. Let me finish. Normally, that's what you do. That's what I tried to do last night. Flip over, and I'll watch it until... The game previous gets over. Before Illinois-Indiana gets over, I'll watch the beginning of the game. One problem. The stupid ESPN app didn't let you play the game. It wasn't up there. So nobody, outside of the 10,000 people inside of the arena, nobody, nobody was able to watch the beginning of the game. How about that? That's a screw-up. Bad work, ESPN. Get better. Wow. See, now, I didn't know that. I'm glad you brought that to my attention because now that pisses me off even more. And you know what, Trent? They do this constantly, thinking that college basketball games are always going to be over in two hours, and they never are anymore. They just aren't. With all the timeouts that are available, the scoring, the fouls, the stoppage of the clock, things have changed dramatically, and you rarely rarely get a legit two-hour game. And it's bad work on the scheduling part. It's bad work on ESPN's part. And even worse work if you go to the app and you can't even get the game on the app. That's awful. That was the case last night. Now, I could watch Duke, Indiana, even when the other game was going. I could watch Duke, Indiana in English, in Spanish, or from the the (laughs) above-the-rim cam, but I couldn't watch anything. With Iowa and Pitt before ESPNU finally flipped to it. Ridiculous. Hey, let me let me let me change topic here just for a second, okay? Sure. Do you mind if I do you mind if I get into the Gary Gary Dolphin thing here for a second? No, absolutely. That that's where I wanted to go with you next. Okay. Because this is being way, way, way blown out of proportion. And I listened to the sound mm-hmm. and I can tell you right now, Trent, that 
he and Bob, they didn't say anything that your Joe Average fan sitting in the stands would not have said. They never used profane language, mm-hmm. didn't say anything other than the fact that they just were so impressed with what they were seeing from the pit freshman and how Iowa hasn't been able to recruit a guy like what you and I just talked about. And then they referenced, uh, he gets those guys, and then we get Mishi Daly. Okay, that was it. That was it. And I, I, I think people are, they did not say anything that was totally derogatory other than the fact that they referenced Mishi Daly. How many times have we been on this show and been critical of his play? Well, it's Mishi Daly. I mean, so... Yeah, it's Macy Daly. Yeah, Macy it, Daly. it comes not Macy. Macy. Thank you, Macy. Macy. Okay, Macy. pardon me. Macy. So he. Uh, there's my heart. Yeah. Where it, are you? I didn't have a problem with it, and, and like you no. said, it would have been different. And this is an old adage, Jim. You've heard it. I've heard it. Always assume that the mic is hot, and the mic. That's correct. Was hot, but it wasn't anything overly disparaging. Now, the way that he said Macy Daly's name did yeah. sound a little. There, there was a little toughness to it. In itself, it's not a big deal. But you do have to wonder here. Fran McCaffrey, more than anything, he's a player's coach. He always has his guys back. And it, and it leads to, at times, where he gets a little hyperbolic and he gets ahead of himself and he is overhyping the guys in his system. But that's who he is. That, that's yes. Those are his yeah. guys he believes in his guys. But, Jim, I, I do wonder what the working relationship will be. We've heard a couple of times Fran and, and Dolph have a couple of conversations that were terse at the very yeah. least. Yeah. I do wonder what the working relationship is going to be going forward. It very well be could be Fran, I'm sure, listened to the audio last night or listened to it today and said, okay, I, I understand now. But did you realize he did not do the – post-game interview Q&A that he normally does with Gary Dolphin. I don't know if that was something that that was originally planned or if it was because of what happened here. Not exactly sure, but their fences to mend. And it's one thing I can sit here. I just said it. I said Jordan Bohannon was terrible defensively in the first half because he was. But I'm sitting here giving opinions on sports talk radio. I am not a mouthpiece for the University of Iowa. I am not employed by Learfield by way of the University of Iowa. Those are completely different circumstances. Because of that, I do wonder. that This does go deeper. It's different than you and me just giving opinion. You certainly know that. Correct. Correct. And look, you and I have done play-by-play for a long time. And you are right. You always assume that the mic is on. And they got caught. Um, I thought that he had a heartfelt apology. Mm-hmm. Yes. And you are right. He and Fran have had kind of a a different kind of relationship, but I mean, it, it doesn't mean you got to go to dinner with the guy every night. <laughs> you know, you're just doing your job. Um, as I mentioned before, there was nothing profane that was said over the microphone, and that's the first thing that I listened for. There were no F-bombs or S-bombs or anything of that nature. It was a conversation between he and Hansen about how Jeff Capel was able to get such top freshman point guards, and 
and Fran had been unable to accomplish that. I mean, that's not a secret. Right. Uh, I mean, every fan will tell you that they got to get a quicker, faster uh, a guy who can beat you off the dribble point guard. So I didn't find it offensive. I found it. How would I? How would I phrase that? I didn't find it offensive. I found it maybe just a little unnerving that it was caught on on the microphone. That's that's where I am on that. Right, and and that goes. You're going down the line. You're getting into who was the on air engineer, who was the person back in yes. in Jefferson yes. in, in Missouri. You know that was running the controls there. That shouldn't be going out. That leads to a different road, and that's why Jimmy B. I love being able to run the board here myself. I always know if there's a mistake, it's on nobody else. It's on me. Now I could leave your mic on, and you could say something dumb. In fact, I'm how sure many, you're going to do it. How here. many times have you? How many times have you dumped me since we've been doing this show on the air? Uh, a couple of times, but three or four probably. <laughs> it's, it hasn't happened in a while. Let's not change that. In fact, before we go okay. down the road of having to hit the dump button. We'll take a break. Coming up next, we're going to talk some Big 12 football. Pete Mundo will join us. We'll take a look at Iowa State and, of course, the Big 12 championship game with Oklahoma and Texas. We'll do it next as we continue. It's Jimmy B and TC on 1700 The Champ. Live play-by-play coverage of every NFL primetime game right here. 1700 The Champ. Real sports talk for real sports fans. Are you interested in starting a new franchise? You can find a lawyer right here in the state of Iowa to help with your franchise law needs. Rush Niggin with Brick Gentry Law PC provides law services for those involved in starting a new franchise. Find more information online at rushonbusiness.com where Rush Niggin can assist you in buying or starting a new franchise. A presenting sponsor of the 2018 high school football season on 1700 KBGG. Brick Gentry Law PC and Rush Niggin. Is your child an animal lover? Host their birthday party at the Animal Rescue League of Iowa. The birthday guests will experience a mock adoption and take home their own plush animal. There will be face painting and also a visit from cuddly animals. This two-hour birthday party will allow time for birthday cake, gift opening, and a tour of the facility. We are now accepting reservations for next month. Get more information at arl-iowa.org backslash birthdays. No, no, no. Everywhere I go, I hear no. no. It's even November, but not this month. Hey, Joe Clemens here from Capital, Capital City, City Motor, Motor Company. Company. I'm asking Des Moines to say yes during my Yes Member sales event. Say yes to a nicer, newer car. Say yes for up to 4500 bucks more for your trade. Say yes, yes even if you've had credit problems in the past. Get up to 4500 bucks more than appraised value during Yes Member. Don't let the others tell you no. We're giving bad credit the bird. <laughs> my one and only for the people credit approval process is like butter because we're on a roll, baby. We take out the mess and the stress and just say yes to you so say yes to a nicer newer car say yes for up to 4500 bucks more for your old clunker say yes even if you've heard no in the past but hurry this offer ends after the first 75 people gobble up a nicer newer car i'm joe clemens and i'm your dealer for the people come see us at capital city motor company in des moines on east university one block off i-235 on the state fair side call 265-1467 or online at approved by joe.com approved by joe.com www.approvedbyjoe.com does overpaying for something make sense we don't think it does at charter house real estate that is why we have completely changed the commission structure at our real estate firm from what you are used to hearing about gone are the days of six or seven percent to sell your home we charge 24.95 plus three percent don't worry if that sounds a bit odd just know that on average our sellers save thousands in real estate commission when they sell their home with us 
The best part is our sellers still get full service, including social media marketing, their home on the MLS, a dedicated agent, and much more. Head to charterhouseiowa.com and use our calculator there to see what your savings could be. We are Charterhouse Real Estate, and we are changing the way you think about selling your home. Charterhouse Real Estate is a team office under Space Simply. Walk to prevent suicide. Join the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention and participate in an out-of-the-darkness community walk. Register for a walk near you at outofthedarkness.org. Suicide takes an enormous toll on families, friends, co-workers, and entire communities. Walk to raise awareness. Walk to raise funds for research, education, advocacy, and programs to support people impacted by suicide. Walk to save lives. Go to out of the darkness.org today. The Rookie is Central Iowa's leader in sports cards, collectibles, supplies, and memorabilia. The Rookie has a large selection of vintage and modern day sports cards for brands such as Tops, Upper Deck, and Panini. Whether you're starting a new collection or building your own, The Rookie has all your needs from football, basketball, baseball, hockey, UFC, and more. It's time to collect. Stop by The Rookie, 9992 Swanson Boulevard, right across from the Willis Auto Campus. And online at therookiesportscards.com. At Wolf Construction, we do many large construction projects across the Midwest, but we started as a roofing company, and we're still a roofing company today. At Wolf Construction, we believe in honest work, a fair price, and work we stand behind. And our 10-year workmanship warranty proves it. We know roofing. With our one-day get-it-done approach, we're known as a roofing machine. Call Wolf Construction for a free estimate at 515-225-8866 or visit us on the web at wolfconstruction.net. At Wolf Construction, we take your roof personally. Welcome back. Jimmy B and TC continues. 1700 The Champ. Right now, time to talk some Big 12. The championship game on the horizon. Certainly, to me, the most compelling championship game we're going to get in college football this weekend. Here to talk Big 12 football with us, it's Pete Mundo. From Heartland College Sports. Pete, boy, the season again, it went way too fast. One game remaining for the title in the Big 12. Yeah, it always goes by fast, Trent. I, I, you know, I, I look back, I feel like it was week one. I, I don't know what happened here. But, uh, yeah, it's gone. We're getting ready for a Big 12 championship game. And it's, uh, let's be honest, it's what the TV networks want. It's what the conference wants. And that is Texas and Oklahoma. And it um, mm-hmm. has the potential, at least, to be a great game. Um, it does have that potential. Uh, I'm just curious, Pete, with the, with what happened in the Red River rivalry and with Texas winning. Is Oklahoma, in your estimation, a better team now than they were when they lost to Texas? Well, it's a good question, Jimmy. I think it's. Um, I think they are. I think they're starting to figure things out on defense. You know, that was the end of, of course, uh, Mike Stoops, and that was uh, that was that was it for him. So, the defense is not drastically better. I mean, to the first team ever to allow forty straight points in four straight games and win them all. So, I'm not going to sit here and say that the defense is uh, that much better. It's improved at linebacker. It's improved at the cornerback position. It's uh, not any better at the safety position. But you got a couple of very young guys playing there. But most importantly, the offense keeps getting better, incredibly enough. I mean, that's what helps Oklahoma. And I said last week, OU's best defense against West Virginia was going to be its offense. And what did they do on fourth and five? Game on the line, two minutes left, just over midfield. They didn't punt. They were not going to put that ball back in Will Greer's hands. They said, no, we're going for it on fourth down. And it was the right call. They convert the first down. Um, They end up, of course, winning the game. And their defense never sees the field again. So, 
I do think OU is better than they were when they lost to Texas because the defense has come together in certain places, but also Lincoln Riley knows how to coach this team, which is i got to score 45, 50 points to win. It's incredible. you got the angle also of Tom Herman and what he has done in the underdog role. He did it against Oklahoma earlier this year in the underdog role. Pete, do we overplay that in the media? I know I, I, I think about it a lot. I bring it up quite a bit with Tom Herman as a better. It, it has also been very profitable throughout the years, and I like that angle to it too. But are we overrating or overstating the Tom Herman as an underdog angle here? I don't think so. I mean, you know, Trent, he's got dating back to his time at Houston. I mean, think about it. his – uh, think about the game against Oklahoma when he was the head coach at Houston. When he got that team to the Peach Bowl and beat, I think it was Florida State as an underdog. I mean, he does this time and time again. So it's a big enough sample size where you can justify it and say, hey, no, this guy is an underdog, whether it's how he motivates, whether it's how he game plans, how he schemes, whether it's his own motivation, you know, coaching as an underdog, whatever it is. Now, there's there's enough there to say Tom Herman is the kind of guy – who when his back is against the wall, as the old cliche goes, and um, he's not expected to win, well, he does just that. Pete Mundo is our guest. We're talking Big 12. All right, so here we are then with this championship game. It Did Texas reach the heights that most people thought they were going to be this year, Pete? Or did it still feel, I mean, they're in the championship game. I mean, you can't get any better than that. But did you think that some people felt that Texas should have had a better overall record? I mean, the only people that probably thought that, or at least in my opinion should have thought that, would have been the the guy that goes to sleep in his longhorn pajamas every night. Because (laughs) for this team to be where it is, at nine and three in the cha- in the championship game with a pretty young team, I think they're a year out of schedule. You know, I thought they'd win anywhere from seven to nine games this year, uh, which they did end up doing. But you know, I did not think that a loss to Maryland would be included in that. So really, I mean, if they beat Maryland, they're a ten win team, which is pretty darn impressive. Uh, and that's a game that I think they would all take back, and and you know, should have won in hindsight. Regardless, I did not think this was the year they'd be in the Big Twelve title game. I thought that was next year that this team would be competing for conference championships again. So now that they're competing for a conference title again, the next step is to be competing for a college football playoff berth, which is going to be the expectation next season with the team coming back. So to answer your question, um, nobody should think that this team did not achieve its expectations. I think they've overachieved even if they lose on Saturday. So uh, you got continued speculation about Lincoln Riley. Do you think he's going to entertain any NFL uh, any NFL offers after this season? I don't. I, I, you know, he's got a young family. He's got a hell of a job. I think he still feels too indebted to Bob Stoops to leave after a couple of years. You know, he just fires his brother as well. If he had in the back of his mind he was going to go to the NFL, uh, do you really fire Mike Stoops or do you let it be somebody else's problem? Uh, you know, the money's inconsequential it's it's indifferent you know he's making what five million dollars what's he gonna get right. seven i mean i haven't made seven or five million dollars but i don't think your life changes a whole lot between seven and five million so there's that factor and there's the factor he could be at ou for if he wants 15 20 years you go to cleveland browns and you know if you don't have a a nice impressive you know couple of seasons by brown standards which is maybe four five six wins a year you're blown out and they're on to the next guy and then 
where do you end up? I mean, somewhere else in college football, yeah, you'll have other jobs, but do you want to do that? I mean, Lincoln Riley doesn't seem like the type of guy that wants to just bounce all over the place. I think he's a guy who looks at himself and where he was five years ago. He's exceeded his wildest dreams and expectations, and I think he's humble enough to realize that what he's got is a great thing. The NFL is not going anywhere. If he wants to do that in five years, he could probably do it and, um, and enjoy what he's got. Uh, Texas Tech makes a move. Kingsbury is out. What do you see in his future and then in Texas Tech's future? Well, for Kingsbury, there was a report. Uh, one of the NFL reporters had it up yesterday that he is already fielding NFL offers for offensive coordinator. Um, people respect him and his offense and his play-calling abilities. And let's be honest, the college game continues to infiltrate the NFL game, despite what the old NFL uh, stooges are going to tell you. I mean, it's, it's infiltrating the game time and time again. Look at the Chiefs. Look at the Rams. Uh, you're seeing it every week. So he's going to have a ton of offers. He can do what he wants. I imagine he'll be a coordinator either at a high power five level, a blue blood type of program, or at an NFL type of place. Um, he's not going to take a year off. He's a young guy. He's 40 years old. He's a hard worker. He's so he'll have a job as an offensive coordinator, either high college level uh, or NFL level. And then on the flip side to what Tech does, you know, I was not a fan of firing the guy. I'll just I'll just make that clear. I thought he deserved another another season um, with the way this team has played. A lot of close losses, ton of injuries defense was getting itself together you know we did this on heartlandcollegesports.com kind of a round table with our staff the guy i'd have him go after is josh heupel at ucf knows the big 12 of course former oklahoma assistant he's now the head coach at ucf he's got a little bit of that experience under his belt great offensive mind uh, knows how to recruit problem is he's got a 10 million dollar buyout so i don't see how realistic that is for texas tech who's got to pay off uh, Kingsbury and his staff, and then also has to go out there and, you know, pay a buyout like that. I don't see it happening. But, you know, names that keep coming up, North Texas, Seth Luttrell, that's, that wouldn't shock me one bit. Um, I don't buy the Mike Leach rumors. So Neil Brown is another name that keeps popping up. So I think any of those guys are going to do, but it's not going to be that superstar that maybe fans expect. Is this the first time in his life that Cliff Kingsbury's been dumped, do you think? <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I imagine I imagine that's the case, Trent, because uh, even at, even as a dude, I don't think I'd dump him. To be honest, he's a handsome, handsome man, and he, he'll he'll sure be is. just fine. Millionaire with those looks, he's going to be all right going forward. Hey, uh, Pete, let's uh, jump into Iowa State here on the local level in the Big Twelve. Finish off the season with Drake. They'll throttle Drake. We'll move on. They'll get a bowl destination. Might be Alamo Bowl. Might be Camping World Bowl. Whatever it turns out to be. But the continued success, the comeback win against K-State, to do it against that program that had had the Cyclones number for a decade straight games, 10 consecutive victories over Iowa State. They slayed that dragon and got the win there. Your perspective on this Iowa State program going forward, how much higher can they reach? I mean, this is, uh, you can't be any more uh, excited than what Iowa State has going on right now. And yeah, I was thinking about you guys Saturday. I said, geez, this is going to be exciting times and aims after this 17 point comeback win. Uh, that was good stuff. I mean, listen, Matt Campbell's got this program in an amazing place. He's got his quarterback for the next three years there in Brock Purdy. Uh, he's got offensive weapons continuing to grow around him. He's basically doing what Bill Snyder did at K State 30 years ago. Now, I'm not saying Iowa State was in as uh, big a shambles as Kansas State was when Snyder took over, but taking a non-traditional program in the Big 12 
and turning it into a perennial top 25 team, a team that people around the country talk about, people around the country want to see, want to watch, want to follow. You know, to say this team's going to be winning Big 12 championships year in, year out is not the case, but I think what Iowa State can be is a team that when we turn the calendar every November, Iowa State is going to be in the mix. Whether it's having a chance to make the Big 12 championship game, whether it's in first place or third place or just on the outside looking in, uh, they're going to be in the conversation the second half of every conference season, and that's a huge deal. And I think that's that's probably the ceiling for Iowa State. And then maybe once every four to five years, you're a legit favorite for a Big 12 championship game. I think that's where you are. But you know what? I think any Iowa State fan would have signed up for that um, at any point over the past you know, 10 years. Uh, I'm I'm with you on that. Before we let you run, I, I want to run this scenario by you because uh, it does indeed impact the Big 12. Let's say that this weekend Georgia beats Alabama, Notre Dame is already in, and Clemson wins. Does that mean two SEC teams, an independent Notre Dame, and the ACC champion, that means the Big Ten, the Big 12, and the Pac-12 are all out? Do you think the screaming would begin then to go to eight? Well, if it doesn't, it should. And I'm I'm with you there, Jimmy. If that happens, if Georgia wins by like a field goal, they'll both get in. And uh, it's a shame for college football if that happens. Because then you could have Georgia and Alabama playing, what, for um, you know second time, or I guess it would be third time in a, in a third calendar time. year, basically. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, who who wants that? I don't think any the, the ratings won't be good for it in the college football playoff semifinals. So, yeah, I think the screaming will begin, and I do think Alabama would end up getting in, and it would be a, a real shame for for all of college football and every college football fan as well. Last thing for me, Pete Mundo, Heartland College Sports Talk and Big Twelve. We play Oklahoma, Ohio State Saturday. Texas gets to play Northwestern. They can play in a consolation game somewhere else. Those two teams play, A, who do you think wins? B, what's the Vegas over-under in that game? All right, say that again, Trent. I wasn't following you there for a second. Sorry. Instead of the Big Ten and Big 12 championship game, instead instead Saturday, we'll say in St. Louis, Ohio State against Oklahoma for the fourth spot in the playoff. Who wins that football game? And what does Vegas put down for a point total? Over-under 90, 95, 100? (laughs) What's the total yeah, okay. in that game? Uh, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I totally could see an over/under. I mean, realistically, you're probably looking at 82, maybe for an over/under. But I agree, it'd be enormously high. Uh, it'd be fascinating to see those two teams play. You know, I take Oklahoma just because they're more consistent. Ohio State, how this team loses to Purdue by 29 and then goes blows out Michigan by 23 or whatever, I don't understand that for the life of me. So uh, I absolutely think there's something to that where Ohio State is unpredictable week to week, um, and OU simply been more, you know, more consistent. And their one loss is a field goal at a neutral site to their biggest rival. It's, it's just not debatable there. And, yes, a ton of points would be scored, Trent, no doubt about it. It'd be fun, no doubt. Pete, as always, great catching up with you. I know you guys have a lot going on with the Big 12 title game over at Heartland College Sports. Looking forward to it. We'll talk again soon. Yeah, Trent and Jimmy, anytime. Pete Mundo joining us, Jimmy B. To me, I, I think that is by far mm-hmm. the most compelling championship game that we get. I, I think this is A, number one for me. 
11 a.m., Texas-Oklahoma, the rivalry aspect. You know, the night games yep. look like duds. And I don't know if Georgia is going to be able to hang on and keep it close against Alabama. This is it. If I had to watch one, it's Texas-Oklahoma. Oh, I'm with you on that. I think that's going to be a, a highly, highly entertaining game, Trent. And look, I, as much as I would like to see Georgia beat Alabama, and then they both get in, and Clemson and Notre Dame, uh, you know me, I want total freaking chaos, because I believe eight would be so much better than the four. And I always loved your idea. You play the first round on the highest-seeded uh, school's field, so, and then you use the bowls. Nothing really changes. So from that aspect, uh, I, 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 I guess that I will. I mean, I'm going to take a look at Alabama, Georgia. Of course I am. But I'm with you. Texas, Oklahoma is where I'm going to be focused early. With that, we need a break. When we come back on the other side, we'll get ready for tonight in the world of sports. A, a lot going on, certainly overall, as it pertains to what's happening as we get the ACC Big Ten Challenge. Can the Big Ten actually win this? We'll get into that. We'll see if Jim's got some NBA as we continue. We're going up until 2 o'clock. It's Jimmy B and TC on 1700 The Champ. Welcome back, everybody. Final segment, Jimmy B and TC here on 1700 The Champ. All right, look, we got some pretty entertaining games last night. Um, do you think we're going to get lucky again this evening, Trent, just like we did last night in college basketball? Well, I certainly hope so. Uh, the the intrigue that we saw last night, a lot of games that came down to the wire. You look at the slate here, what? I mean, at least in terms of point spread, every one of these games short of Rutgers-Miami should be competitive, right? Yeah, I would think so. I mean, there's some pretty good matchups here. There really are. Look, I think everybody's looking forward to Michigan, North Carolina, yeah. obviously. But um, I find the uh, the Virginia Maryland game uh, interesting. Both teams are undefeated. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I want to see Ohio State play, so I have interest in seeing what Syracuse does uh, with Ohio State. I want to try to get a feel if Ohio State is going to be that much more improved than what we thought. And from that aspect, uh, I, I think those are the probably the three games that I would probably uh, lock in the most. Where are you? Well, you know, you mentioned that Ohio State team, and last year, you know, they came out of uh, they came out of nowhere. nowhere. Uh, with, yeah, Bates Diop was finally healthy. Okay, I get it. I mean, he, he's a talented guy, but nobody envisioned that happening. It's short of their Penn State problem, which I still can't understand. I mean, you talk about matchups mattering. I think that showed mm-hmm. all season long. Penn State, the only thing they had in their resume was, well, hey, we beat Ohio State three times. Ohio State. And yeah. Ohio State, yeah. all they had was, well, we have a great resume except for those crap games against Penn State. What a weird one that was. <laughs> but That was weird. You know, they, they lose Bates Diop, and it's all right, all right. Yeah. Now, now here comes normalcy. They're going to take a step back. They're going to be young. They'll be bringing in DJ Carton next year, the Quad City kid. He'll be making his way up there along with the great recruiting. But they'll take a step back. And all Ohio State done to this point is go on the road against a rival in Cincinnati, a place that Ohio yep. State normally doesn't go. You know how big that was, Jim, for, for Cincinnati yes, to get huge. Ohio State to come into yes. their building to play a game, and the Buckeyes beat them. And then they go on yep. the road again a week later. They go to Creighton, not an easy place to play. We know that very well. And they mm-hmm. beat them with a yeah. largely new group of guys. Boy, the job that Holtman has done 
at Ohio State. You talk about getting credit. Difficult circumstances last year. This wasn't a guy that got that job in late March or April. That The, the firing of Thad Mata happened in July. And then he gets right. the job, hits the ground running, gets him the NCAA tournament. I mean, a lot of people talk about you know, some of the young coaches and up-and-comers in the league and you know, my boy little Ricky Petito and guys like that. But <laughs> Chris Holtman, what he has done now a year plus into his regime at Ohio State and the facilities that they have and the money that they can pour in, the athletic budget that Ohio State can become. Buckeye basketball, I mean, they've been close. They about got them close. National mm-hmm. championship game, couple final fours. How right. big is the upside in your mind for Ohio State basketball? I mean, can they? I, I think, yeah. Can they I think be I'm with you? A, a tier below a blue blood, a perennial eight out of ten years. They're in the top ten. They they win a national title. They go to three final fours over a ten year stretch. Can they be that good? I I don't know if if they'll be that good, but I have this feeling that Altman right now has got this thing really in high gear. And he has made it cool to play basketball now at Ohio State, not just football. And if that's the case, I can see them making a Final Four with him as the head coach. I really can. And there's no question he knows how to go out and get talent. And then once he gets that talent, Trent, there's no question he knows how to make it all work together. So I can see this taking place. I don't think that he's going to have the the run say that uh, Izzo has had or the the run that we see also right now from Michigan I think it'll take him maybe a, another year or two to where he is always at the top of the Big Ten but I can certainly see it for maybe a season or two if he you know instead of a one and done guy he gets a guy who stays for two years and they can really challenge then for the Final Four and maybe even winning a, a, a championship. So I, I just think that he was absolutely positively the right guy. And I think they hit a home run. And we'll wait and see how it plays out here in another year or so. You know, and there, there's a lot more layers to the story of him, too. First of all, he was yes. a head coach. He was a head coach at a D1 pro, program at Gardner-Webb and looked to be turning them around. His third season, they won 21 games. They went 21 to 13. Didn't they beat Kentucky uh, at Kentucky? Was that him as the coach when Gardner Webb beat Kentucky? No, that was after that. that. He he had already left. Oh, okay. He had left. Okay. Well, and remember, he left to go to Butler to be an assistant. I mean, yes. And we're not again. We're not talking about a blue blood. Of course, Butler at that time was really good, but but still, he's not leaving to be an assistant at Duke or Carolina or Indiana. He's leaving right. to be yeah. an assistant at Butler. Which is yeah. weird. Then, on top of it, as he's an assistant, he's named interim coach one year in after the weird Brandon Miller thing. And I, I still don't know. Jim, do you have any idea what happened to Brandon Miller? Like, I have no idea. What, what the story was with that. He takes a leave of absence. Holtman yeah. takes over for him and then disappeared. I mean, I, yeah. I, yeah. There, yeah. There's rumors out since. there. You know, there's, there's rumors out there. And I... I don't want to speculate because there's some ugly things, certainly, yes. that, that are out there, too, about his personal life and, and what happened. But, boy, just a odd, odd circumstances, certainly, with what happened there. And then Holtman takes over. Butler was maybe taking a little bit of a step back. He gets him back, wins a game of the NCAA tournament his first two years as a head coach, gets to the Sweet mm-hmm. 16 in the third year. 
now here he is at Ohio State. It just what a weird. I mean, coaching paths are usually very similar. There's outliers all the time, but for the most part, they're pretty similar. Not very often do you have a guy named a head coach early, then goes right. on to be an assistant at Butler, then gets the job in an interim basis, then gets the job at a full time basis, and then gets the <laughs> Ohio State job. Not in April, but gets it in the summertime. Just weird. And and he's been great, Chris Holtman. He, he has. He's he an absolute star in that mm-hmm. one. All right, Jim, I, I will be watching more, though, than just Buckeyes and the Orange. Uh, went a little long there on the, the Buckeye talk. That's okay. It was an interesting point. I enjoyed it. Virginia-Maryland, uh, old yes. ACC matchup. Maryland at home. Can they beat Virginia? Maybe. I, I, you know, I haven't seen them play yet, so this will be my first chance to get a, a real good look at them. And I'm looking forward to this game. I, I want to see what Tony Bennett's team is doing now. And I want to see if Maryland, with their 6-0 and record, you know, are they, are, are they a team that can, you know, ruffle feathers once you get into Big Ten Conference play? So it's difficult to judge what teams are doing because it still is early in the season and the competition level most of the time is, is not that strong. But for me, this is an old ACC matchup, and it is a situation where both teams are undefeated. And I, and I want to see, you know, if, if, if Virginia is still going to just try to win games in the 50s again with the way that college basketball is. And look, I, I know I get Tony Bennett style. You got to have 300 passes each possession and you don't take a shot until there's two seconds left on the clock. I, I get it. Okay. But I would have thought that he might have had to make a few changes. And I've seen some of their scores and they have scored, uh, in the seventies. So I, tonight, that'll be interesting to see if they revert back and try to win games in the 50s or if, indeed, they have picked up the pace. Finally, the big one, of course, is Carolina-Michigan. Jim, yep. if it comes down to that deciding who's going to win the challenge or one of the conferences needing that win to get a push, who do you got in this game? Who do you got? Give me a pick, Carolina and Michigan. You know, Carolina, It's <laughs> you keep going back to that game where they got blown out in. Um, I, I just have this feeling that Michigan is going to find a way. As much as, I mean, you got two top-notch coaches. But John Beeline, he just uh, absolutely amazes everybody. And... I know his teams are more famous for finishing strong than starting out strong, but this Michigan team's pretty good, and I'm going to pick Michigan to uh, to hold the court tonight and hold serve on their home court. So I am I'm going to go with the Wolverines this evening. I kind of like Carolina. Kind of like Carolina. Okay. I, I think the win at the time over Villanova for Michigan was whoa, and we've seen uh, Villanova's got a lot of work to do. As we saw yeah. in in the, uh, the the weeks that followed after that, so yeah, Furman beat them, right? I, I think maybe a little bit a tad overrated because of that. Yeah, I, I like Carolina tonight. I, I like what they did against okay. UCLA because well, anytime you throttle Steve Alford, it puts a smile on my face. I figured you were going to go there. Yes, yes, maybe Jim. <laughs> that was uh, a part of it, but uh, certainly looking forward to it tonight. That'll be the nightcap, eight thirty, Michigan and Carolina. What else you got on the agenda tonight, Jimmy B? Any crappy NBA for you? 
I will probably uh, sample a few things. Um, I was just looking right now. I think the San Antonio-Minnesota game, uh, just because you and I both followed the T-Wolves, I'll, I'll, I'll I take did. a look at I, that. I did follow yeah. the T-Wolves. It's now college basketball time. It, I'll, I'll find okay. them again in April. You'll find them again? Okay, fair enough. Um, also, uh, I want to see Dallas and Houston. Because I haven't what? gotten a real yes, I haven't gotten a real good look yet at Luka Doncic. Oh, and so that game uh, is on this evening, and so I want to see. I mean, Doncic is averaging like seventeen points and eight rebounds and eight assists a game. The kid's nineteen, or maybe he just had a birthday. Maybe he just turned twenty. So I I just want to see that against that high-powered Houston offense and see how he responds to all of that. And like I said, I just haven't had a chance to really uh, catch a game where, you know, he was featured. So that'll be something that I'll take a peek at tonight. That's about it. So you're not going to watch the Hoibergs against uh, the Greek Freak Antetokounmpo and company? That doesn't do it for you? Uh, no, you know why? Because Chicago is just so far undermanned with all the people that they still have out, Markinen, Portis, etc. Uh, and and I I just I just don't feel like you know they they can match up with the Greek Freak and and with everything that Milwaukee's got going right now. So I, I, if if it if it pops up for a little bit. I'll sample it, mm-hmm. but for the most part, it's the college game, and I want to watch Donkic tonight with the uh, with the Dallas Mavericks. Well, we are out of here for today. Coming up here from 4 until 6 o'clock, I'll be back with Wolfgang taking you home on the drive from 4 until 6 o'clock. A big thank you to everybody out there for listening in. Jimmy B and TC here on 1700 The Champ. Coming up next, a national perspective. Tiki and Tierney, CBS Sports Radio. We continue on 1700.